Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. been going through this summer series over the past uh, se- couple of weeks back to the basics and and I believe that today is is just a, such a fitting day that we go back to the basics and I want to talk about faith in fact I want to talk about from faith to freedom you know I believe that that God has called us to walk by faith and not by sight come on how many of you believe that we need to walk out our lives by faith but you know that's an easy thing to say it's not such an easy thing to do right as we say how do we walk out our lives by faith. And I believe that God is going to just speak to us here uh, this morning. I want to look first, though, at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 5 through 12. And I want to read that. And then uh, if you want to go, go there in your Bible, also if you want to just kind of tag that spot and then go to Acts chapter 12, we're going to be speaking out of that. Amen. Is God good? Look at your neighbor, say, I walk by faith. Look at your other neighbor, say, not by sight. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I really, I'm, I'm waiting for y'all to get there in your Bible. If you're there, can you say amen? I'm being patient. You know, I was, uh, uh, God is good. Is it okay that we get a little awkward sometimes with one another? You know, so, sometimes in church we get so production oriented that we forget that, you know, we're just one big family, right? And uh, I've been embarrassed at, at my family all the time, actually. My son is now almost as tall as I am. You know, I had a son, Nathan, turned 13 years old uh, over the weekend. I, I now am the proud parent of three teenagers. Hallelujah. I, extra prayers are appreciated. And, uh, you know, God is so good. And uh, just, just being here is such an incredible honor. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 through 12. Now, he who prepared us, look at your neighbor said, I'm prepared. For this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Man, come on, you received the Holy Spirit as a down payment guarantee for that that heaven that Dr. Lynn was talking about, amen? If you don't have that guarantee, don't leave here without it. If you don't have that stamp today, don't leave here without it. You can, we're issuing guarantee paid in full stamps after service. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, Knowing while, yeah, knowing that while we were at home in the body, we are present from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, look at your neighbor again. Say, we walk by faith, not by sight. I want you to get that deep into your spirit here this morning. Say it again. Say, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, the things that we see in our circumstances aren't what defines us because we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, the, we're, we're coming up into this uh, 4th of July celebration. I, I love this time of year for a couple of reasons. One is because we live in a free country where we can worship Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I've been in a, a place in Africa just a little while back, and, you know, they can still worship the, the God of, their, uh, of, of creation, but there's persecution that's coming. There's no fear of us, of, of, of people coming in militantly and, and killing us or persecuting us or telling us that we can't share our faith. 
In fact, we can talk about the real issues of life in this church. Why? Because we, we have been set free. But I believe that whom the sun sets free shall be free indeed. That we celebrate during this time of, of Independence Day, the 4th of July, a, a freedom from an, an oppressive government. But I believe that every day is a, we can celebrate our freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and we have also, my anniversary is on July the 4th. So uh, I, I want to just, me and Shannon have been married now. It'd be 16 years. And it's been totally awesome and amazing. And uh, we're so glad. Thank you. Love you, babe. Uh, just a word for you, uh, would-be people getting married. Look, I mean, I, I love my anniversary, 4th of July. Any holidays, not typically the best day to get married, right? Hotels cost more. It's harder to find childcare. It's all these practical things that you really don't think about, but I still, I still uh, love it. In fact, I tried to convince Shannon whenever we first got married that we can get married on July the 5th, you know, so that way I could truly celebrate my independence on July the 4th, but... Uh, <laughs> She, she didn't think that that was such a great idea, right? I, I know, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. But I believe that as we just celebrate our indep independence, is it really independence that we're celebrating? I want you to just kind of let that thought percolate for, while I'm speaking. Is it really independence that we're, that we're celebrating, celebrating or is it, is it freedom? I, I believe that those two things are very much different. In fact, that, that it's, the, it's independence that kind of has a tendency to bind us up. It's independence that has an ability to, to wall us off and to put us inside of a cell. Really what we're celebrating is our freedom. You know, the, 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 it, July 4th, 1776 is a day that they, we celebrate that these 13 delegates, or these delegates from 13 uh, colonies, they came and they adopted the Declaration of Independence. That we celebrate th that day as a day uh, that America became an independent country. We celebrate with fireworks and all kinds of uh, barbecues and, and these family get-togethers and things like that. But how many of you know that John Adams actually wrote to his wife Abigail, he says that July the 2nd will be celebrated by succeeding generations as a great anniversary festival and that the celebration should include pomp and parade and games and sports and guns and bells and and, and bonfires and illuminations from the end of this continent to the other. Why? Because July the 2nd was the day they actually, they actually penned and signed the Declaration of Independence. And then July the 4th was the day that, that it was ratified. But, but being that John Adams and uh, Thomas Jefferson both died on July 4th, 1826, I guess that they just decided that that day would be more significant, right? But the signing of that document really was just a commitment, right? The signing of that document didn't just say, the British didn't just say, great, they signed the Declaration of Independence. Well, guys, pack up all your bags. We're going back home, right? No, actually, that was just the beginning of the real battle. What that, that declaration did was it, it solidified their commitment to being separated as individual uh, colonies from the British armies, what that day was was just a commemoration of us saying, we will be free. We will be independent. And after that, that's when the battles really begin to take place. All that was was a culmination. It was a commitment. It was a consolidation of their position. And the members of the Continental Congress, they made that day a faith statement. They made a faith statement that says, we will be free from our oppressors. It's the same faith statement that Joshua made when he said to the, to the nation of Israel, he says, you're doing all kinds of things that God doesn't approve of. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
How many of you know that so many of us came here today looking for freedom? We came looking for Jesus to set us free. I want you to know that we can make a faith statement today that says, Lord, I surrender to you, but that's not the the end of the battle. That's just the beginning of the battle. That the enemy of your life wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy. That is his very mission. But see, today we can celebrate our freedom, and the greatness of it is it's not a freedom as a, such as independence. You see, those signers of the, the early document, the Declaration of Independence, they didn't say, now we're all a, a nation of independent individuals. No, actually, we are stronger together. We're brought closer together in our independence. As we begin to surrender our hearts and our minds and our lives to Jesus Christ, it's not saying that I am segregated now, I am set apart. You are, but you're set apart with a whole body of believers, the church that comes alongside and encourages you in the way that we should go. There's a great deception in the land today that says that it's this individualistic type of Christianity. This, this Christianity that says that, well, the Lord speaks to me, I don't need other people. Man, that's a, that's a far cry from truth. We celebrate today our freedom, not necessarily our independence. I believe that even as a nation today, that it's time for the church to stand up and begin to declare truth as a faith statement, the same way that it did in 1776. That we're going to be free from our oppressors. Those oppressors of sin, those oppressors of, of, of censorship, those oppressors that say, you, we can say whatever we want, but you can't say what you want. Today, the church needs to make a faith statement. That as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, faith is a, is a funny word. I, I believe that it's even something that, that we struggle understanding. There's two, there's two concepts, faith and freedom. I believe that we don't have freedom without faith, and we can't have faith without freedom. Faith is something that we all struggle with daily. In fact, if you don't struggle with your faith, let me say this, you're not really expressing it to its fullest. Because the very nature of faith is trust. And we should be trusting in the Lord day by day. Philippians 2.12, kind of the back half of that verse says, to work out our own salvation with fear and and trembling. You know, each and every day we should be working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because the the very salvation that we're trusting in has our our destination in heaven or in hell. You see, I believe that we need to go to the Lord every single day. Lord, remind me, remind me. David lived that life. David the, the psalmist, David the king. Every day he spent seeking out to the Lord because the battle is real. We may, we may be set free in Jesus Christ. We may be saved, but I'm, I just want to be real a little bit this morning. How many of you don't feel free every single day? We still carry around that bondage of, of our past, that bondage of, 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 of temptation. That's why, the, that's why Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray every day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, Lord, this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we do what? We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You know, we, spend the, we, we, we don't pray that prayer enough. Because I believe that we've just kind of turned it into some repetitious prayer. But I believe that God can still use those prayers as we begin to engage the Lord, the creator, the hallowed one. The one that's high and lifted up. You see, because we need to have an understanding of what our faith is. As those 
those um, early founding fathers, they begin to make a faith statement. They begin to put a declaration out there that we will be free, that we will be an independent nation. Even at the face of great trial, the face of great tribulation. But faith is the thing that is, is by its very nature is what is the powerful thing. Let me, let me tell you something. Faith is what compels us. You know, it's not, it's not I, we don't do things just because it makes sense. We don't do things just because it's, it's, it, it seems like it's in order, because we have it all figured out. In fact, some of the greatest accomplishments on this earth were done in faith. They were done without knowing what that next step was going to be. Faith is what compels us. Faith is what motivates us. Faith is what, is what drives us. Faith is what inspires us. Whenever the enemy begins to come up against us like a flood, that we can say, I stand on my faith today. And I'm going to continue on this path. Because we know that we have a higher calling. We know that we have a future. Faith is what moves nations to be founded. Those early, those early uh, writers of the, the Declaration of Independence, it was by their faith that they knew that they had inalienable rights endued by what? Their creator. That they knew that they had faith in something that was greater than their oppressors. That's what faith is. Faith is an understanding that goes beyond our logic. Faith is something that goes beyond just our understanding. Faith that sees the impossible as possible. Faith sees things that are totally impossible to do and makes them possible. We all share a similar faith story. I can look around. I know many of your testimonies and what God has brought you out of. And by man alone, those things were impossible. But with, through God, all things are possible. That's what faith is. In Luke 17, 6, it says that if you have faith, just a little bit of faith, the smallest little bitty amount of faith, it, I mean, faith is a powerful substance. In fact, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But just a little bit of faith. Faith is a, faith is a mustard seed. You can tell a mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted into the sea. In Matthew 17, 20, that faith can move mountains. It says that if you have faith as a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, that, that you could say to this mountain, be moved, and it would be cast into the sea. You see, faith is a powerful, powerful, a powerful substance. This morning, the question I want to ask you is, what are you believing for? What are you hoping for? What is the thing that God's planted in your heart to accomplish? And have you applied faith to it? Come on, I know you've applied reason, you've applied thought, you've applied dreams, you've applied hopes, you've applied all those things. But have you applied faith to it? You see, the interesting thing about that story that Jesus shares is a mustard seed, that a mustard seed stays a mustard seed as long as you hold it in your hand. You see, the mustard seed can grow as soon as we begin to plant it into the ground and we begin to relinquish our control and allow God to have his control over our faith. God can do amazing things with it. Those writers of the, of, the, of the Declaration of Independence, they didn't just leave their faith bottled up. Man, we're going to keep fighting, 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 and maybe the British will give up. No, they said, you know what? Today we make a stand. Today we solidify our position. Today we consolidate one with another, and we say, no longer will we stand under the, under the uh, auspices of a critical government, over oppressive government. Today we will be free. And when we make those statements, we have to start living them out. You see, because faith isn't just something, a belief. Faith is action. Faith is action. What are we believing for? What are the promises that we're standing on?
Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Foundational. Substance is, is that's what, the, it's a substance. You know this platform I'm standing on, it's a substance. It's real, okay? You may not be able to see it because you're seated, but if you came up here, you would see I'm actually standing on something real. So whenever we begin to believe, we say, I have faith. Let me tell you, if I can't see it, it's not faith. That's still hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the foundation of the things that we believe. We have to put substance to our hopes because that begins to be the evidence of the things that can't be seen. Faith is complete trust. It's, it's confidence in something or someone. Faith is action. Faith is saying, I'm going to begin to do something about what I believe. I believe that today in our church, God is calling his people to radical faith. It's, it's not enough to just say, I believe in God the Father. But when we begin to have faith in God the Father, our actions need to change and they need to be expressed in what we believe. God's calling his people to radical faith. I know many of us, we have, we have faith. This is why whenever this, this morning in worship, I believe that we needed to take a step of faith. We needed to step out and put actions to our faith. We need to put actions to our hope. If you want freedom, sometimes you just can't say, Lord, free me. I remember when I was struggling, even uh, probably 12 years ago, with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You said, if I ask, you'll give it. And, but I was waiting for God to just like say, okay, you're baptized, boom. And I had no control over that situation. But the truth was I had to take a, a, a posture of surrender. I had to say, okay, Lord, I surrender myself to you. And God used a special moment in worship where I was in worship and everybody around me was, had their hands in the air singing and joyful and jumping. Like Doc said, man, they were saved. In fact, I was saved. And this is how lack of evidence I had in my life, transparent moment. I remember one night in, in after a, a service, they had a guy came up to me and said, man, are you saved? And I'm like, it's that bad, huh? Because, I mean, Jesus came to give us life, but I wasn't living an abundant life. But I remember in that, in that worship service, I just had this, this interaction with the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and as, as we begin to look around, I see all these people full of joy. Man, they were singing and dancing and, and loving Jesus. And, and I can see the freedom that they were expressing in their lives. And, and I said, God, I want that. I want freedom. He said, well, then surrender. I said, I surrender. He says, I can't tell. I said, okay. He says, just lift your hands. And, and, and the, at that specific moment, the pastor, he said, he said, you know, lifting your hands in the air is a universal sign of surrender. And I was like, whoa. Everybody, it's recognized universally around the world. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And I began to put my hands up, and it was like. <sighs> and, and I had this, the, the enemy began to say, Joe, if you do this, Everybody around you is going to look at you and they're going to begin to... And I, I mean, I'm in a worship service with about a thousand people. They're all like worshiping Jesus, right? And just to think, for, the, for me to actually think that anybody's paying a, the shred of attention to me was ridiculous, right? But that's how the enemy works. And, and I was like, so I'm just struggling with this. See, it took an act of faith. 
And, and let me tell you, whenever I just, in obedience, put my hands in the air, so then I said, Lord, I surrender. The Holy Spirit came in like a flood. I was baptized in His Holy Ghost, and my life has been uh, 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 incredible ever since as God just began to allow me to walk in new freedom, in new hope, in new trust. You see, faith is substance. It's not just some internal thing. It's not just what your grandma had when you was growing up. My mama's faith. Faith isn't religion. Faith is how we live our life. Faith is the substance of the things that we have a hope for. How many of you hope one day to get to heaven? A few of you. Praise God. The rest of you, seriously, y'all have to come talk to us after service, okay? I ask again. Maybe I caught you off guard. How many of you hope to get to heaven one day? Hallelujah. Okay, how many of you hope that your neighbors get to heaven one day? Hallelujah. How many of you hope that your co-workers get to heaven one day? Hallelujah. Start living like it. Start living that, with that faith that, man, my, I, I know people in my life that are struggling with their faith. Start being an example to them. Start living like you really believe that you're going to heaven. Man, it changes your life. God's calling us to radical faith. I, I, I love, I, I read a book, and, and it was uh, written by a guy named David Platt. I encourage you to read it. It's called Radical. That's the name of the book. And, and in this book, he begins to tell, now he has a Southern Baptist background, you know, no big deal. But what happens is, is he begins to preach this faith thing to his congregation. And, and then he has people in his congregation, they sell their, their million-dollar homes, and they move into the projects. Why? Because they know that the people in the projects need Jesus. And they, they know that Jesus works by proximity. And they wanted to be in the midst of those people so they can share the love of Jesus Christ. Whenever he began to share this, 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 this story about radical faith, People begin to do radical things. I believe that God is calling his church to a radical faith. I believe that the people who are living in the world, they don't even come to church because we don't express our faith. Come on, we love the saints. We love LSU. You go to a game, you know who the fans or what is, right? Man, they got the shirt. They got the paint. They got the, some of them don't have the shirt. They got the paint as a shirt. And, and they are excited about what LSU or the saints are doing, Right? But how can you tell what a Christian is? Where's the fruit? Where's that radical expression of our faith? I believe people see it. Or they don't see it. So they're like, I don't want to be part of that. Because it's, it seems phony. It seems fake. We need to begin to live according to what we believe. That's what faith is. Anything short of, of action is just hope. And my dad had a saying about hope. When I was growing up, and I'm not going to repeat it, but it goes about, anyway, I'm not, I'm really not. It was bad. Jesus, don't let me think like that. It wasn't that bad of a joke. Y'all know what the joke, right? The, the hope in one hand. Anyway, I had to go there. God's calling his people to stand for truth and righteousness. He's calling us to radical faith in Jesus Christ. When we see things that are out of place, that's what, that's what faith is. That's what a faith statement is. You see unrighteousness and you begin to take a stance towards faith against unrighteousness. That's what independence, that's what freedom is, is the ability to say, this is not right. I'm going to make it right to the best of my ability. And I'm going to begin to pray against that or pray for that rather. It's simple concepts, back to basics, walking, living by faith.
It's not just coming on Sunday morning and hearing some, some good music and a, a pretty good message and, and getting to interact with people. That's all great and fine, but let's let our faith become something of who we are. Let's go to, I want to go to Acts chapter 12. And I think Acts chapter 12 is a ex- great example of radical faith in, in two directions. In, this, in Acts chapter 12, we have this story about Peter. And many of you know Peter as the apostle who, who was with Jesus. He was with Jesus like most, more than anybody else. They had three apostles that were really Jesus' closest apostles. You know, Peter, James, and John. And this is a story about Peter who kind of became the, 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 the leader of the church. And he became like the, the pillar of the church. He's the one that everybody went to when they had questions about, Peter, is this okay? Peter, is that okay? Peter, should, should we be doing this? Peter, should, should she be wearing that, right? They would go to Peter because Peter had authority, man. He had zeal. He had the boldness of the gospel. He's the one, when, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he became this another person. He became Peter, the apostle, the rock, the one who preaches the word, and thousands and thousands of lives are changed. This is that Peter who stood up, and he was just a simple fisherman. And he came from this simple place, a simple status, to something that we still talk about 2,000 years later. By what? By faith. Because Peter was totally convinced, and he began to live out his life according to his convictions. Then you have another person in, in, this, in this story, and I'm going to read it in here just a moment. You have a man named Herod who was kind of like the king. And he had a total different faith. He had a total different doctrine. You see, Herod was all about himself and his own promotion. He was all about getting what he could get. He was all about getting, being popular. He was all about making sure that he pleased the people around him. How many of you know Peter wasn't worried about pleasing nobody? Herod was about pleasing others. I, I, I just want to read this. Acts Chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. It's, a, it's a 17, sorry, 4 through 17. It's a little lengthy, but I think it's, I think it's worth it. Let, let me just start in verse 12. I'm going to just start in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church, and then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, see there his people pleasing, it proceeded... He proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squadrons of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that, he, that that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, look at your neighbor and say, behold. Okay, you have, like you got, if, imagine like there's an angel and you're like, behold. Just have a little fun with it. So try it again, ready, go. Okay, there you go. I, just, I have these images of... Uh, Living Bethlehem, you know, and the, the, the angel coming out. Behold! You know, anyway. Where am I at? 
Okay. An angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. Whew. There's, some, there's a word. A light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. These are just some simple commands. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to him of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. There's a word. So, when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and the girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. I believe that we see a, a, an incredible story of two, of two men, one man named Herod and one name, man named Peter. Both of them were leaders in their own right. One of them was appointed by men. And one of them was appointed by God. One of them had the substance of his faith. The things that he believed in was established in manly rules, in worldly rules. And the other one was a man who had his faith and his substance established in godly order. One man stood for his convictions publicly. The other man stood for his convictions publicly. One man made public decisions and the other one made public decisions. Both of these men leaders, but their faith was different. You see, whenever we begin to put our faith into practice, the things that we do begins to change. You know, I, I heard one minister say one time, if you begin to allow sin into your heart, you can be certain that it's going to begin to leak out somewhere. We can't just have two sets of rules for ourselves. We can't just live by faith and by hope and by love when we're in church and then go home and live a totally different way. See, the substance of, of Herod's faith, it says here in, in that, that he extended his hands to harass the church. Why? Because he thought it would bring him some popularity with the Jews. It says that he killed James, in fact. And he says because all the Jews thought that this was a great thing, Herod, he said, well, then go get Peter, man. You see, whenever we begin to look at, 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 worlds, at worldly uh, standards and as we begin to express our lives to others and be, begin to build our own value on what others say about us, then uh, they can begin to use that to manipulate our decisions. 
You see, Herod, he said, hey, I want to be a great king, so I want to do what's popular with the people instead of what's right before the Lord. And he began to extend his hand to harass the church so that he can find political gain, political favor. He can find popularity. If if you skip down real quick to verses 22 through 23, I believe that Herod's motives are revealed. It says, and the people, they kept shouting, the voice of God and not of man. You see, this they're talking about when Herod began to speak. The people began to flatter him. They began to say, this, you're, you're so awesome, Herod. Why? Because they had their own poor motivations. They began to flatter Herod. And of course, Jesus, of course, God responds. And then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. I, I remember when I was in Africa, one of the things that I heard all the time, I would begin to talk about the, to these different pastors and ministers, say, man, God's doing some great things here. They would always say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Why? Because they knew that it wasn't about them. You see, if we're always looking for people praise, if we're always looking for people pleasing, if we're always looking for self-glorification, God, then our faith is amiss. Even in the church. You see, but I believe the substance of Peter's faith was completely different. In fact, if you just go to Acts chapter 10, verses 34 uh, through 44, I'm not going to read all that. But I believe here that we have Peter's, in essence, his declaration of independence. This is, de- this is Peter's declaration of faith. This is what Peter began to build his faith, his life, his trust upon. And you can see that demonstrated throughout his life. I mean, think about Peter. He's, he's there. He's living out his faith. He gets arrested. How many of you have ever been arrested for your faith? It could happen. You see, Peter, Peter he began to live in such a way, such a, a passion, for, for, for a, such a zeal for what God and righteousness that it began to be expressed through his actions. And he didn't back down from that, even though he was pushed back a little bit from some, from some king. Peter begins to, in Acts 10, 34 through 44, it's like, a, it's like a declaration. It's like Peter, he's beginning to open his mouth. It's his standard for life. Peter, he opens his mouth and he says, The truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears God, whoever feels, fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. How many of you know we have peace through Jesus Christ? That's the gospel message, peace. He's the prince of peace. He goes on, he says that Jesus is our Lord. He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of the Jews. He's the Lord of the Gentiles. He's the Lord of the poor. He's the Lord of the rich. He's the Lord of women. He's the Lord of men. How many of you know he's still the Lord of of the LGBTQ community? They may not recognize it, but he's still their king. He's He's still their Lord. He may not be their savior. But how many of you know he wants to be? He died on a cross for the sins of every, the whole world. John read it when we were in, in, in uh, receiving the, announce, uh, the offering that, that for, the, for the love God had for us, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that none should perish. None, all inclusive, nobody. He goes on to say that, that, that Jesus is our healer. He's our deliverer. He's the one who was raised from the dead. He commanded us to preach and to testify. And through the name of Jesus Christ, we have remission for sins. You see, that's a faith statement. That's a statement that says, this is what we believe. 
But just because we say this is what we believe doesn't mean that the enemy begins to flee. Sometimes he begins to press in harder. And we have to stand on faith. And that's why we're drawn together in a community. Herod's actions, he began to express his faith through his actions because he had a faith that said, I want to be the king. I want to be the one that people love. I want to be the one that people adore. He began to harass the church. He killed James. He imprisoned Peter. Why? Because he was always wanting to please somebody. You see, he, he forgot about what God had called him to do, the righteous role of government. How many of you know God established government? Romans chapter 13 it says, for he, the authority, is God's minister to you for good. That those who are, are called to, in authority over us, to call to our government, our mayor, or all those elected officials are called to be a, a minister of good to us. How many of you know that police officers protect us? If you do good, if you do bad, you may, you may have a different perspective. I remember I used to get nervous when I drive by cops. Now I'm grateful. I look, man, cop, thank you, Jesus. You see, Herod's actions begin to be people-pleasing. Peter's actions, he was arrested, but yet he was delivered. He was bound up, but his chains were freed. Peter began to walk out of that place. He began to simply do the, follow the commandment of that angel that was there. He said, get up, okay, get your clothes on, all right. Come, on, come with me. Yes, sir. He didn't begin to say, but there's guards. But there's, but there's a gate. But we're never going to make it out of here alive. He said, man, I am following this dude wherever he takes me. Man, that crazy, obedient faith. You see, faith leads to freedom through obedience. You see, when we begin to walk in the obedience of our faith, then we begin to walk in our freedom. I know people that struggle with, with all kinds of disorders, physical health, but they refuse to. I mean, look, God gives some instructions that we should take care of our bodies. I mean, God's a miracle-working God, but if you don't take care of your body, I mean, there's only so much he can do. This side of eternity. God says that we, Peter built a, his whole gospel on preaching the truth of Jesus Christ to all those he came in contact with. And he began to live that out. And it had its consequences, but it had its rewards. The church, they begin to have their own actions. You see, because, because even though Peter was locked up, they realized that James had just been killed. Peter's in jail. It ain't looking good for Peter. But it says that the church was in constant prayer. We, we're told about one specific house, the house of, of, of John Mark's mother. But I believe that there were houses throughout the community that were praying. That's why Peter, he, he told him, be quiet, be quiet. I'm going to go tell everybody else that I'm out. You see, when the church begins to have a faith that says, we believe that, that, that we can pray and God will begin to move, then God's people begins to pray. Does that make any sense? If, if we really believe that prayer does things, then we're going to begin to pray a lot more. If we really believe that it says that if there's any sick among you, call together the elders that, that, that anoint them with oil, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If we really believe that, you know what? God forbid that we actually have a meeting here and somebody's sick and we don't call together the elders and anoint them with oil, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. If we believe that, we begin to, our actions begin to follow. Those are the simple obedient things of faith. It's back to the basics. We need to begin to operate, walk by faith, not by sight. The church said, we're not going to just see what's happening to Peter. We're going to begin to believe for some kind of God result. 
I believe that even in verse 11, Peter, he begins to know with certainty that the Lord has delivered him, him from the hand of Peter. But I believe that, that even the Lord delivered him from the expectation of the Jewish people. How many of you walk around with certain expectations piled up on top of you? If you don't, pastor a church for a few days and you'll begin to see if there's 300 people, there's about 300 expectations that people have for your life. But I can't let the expectations of people begin to determine my actions. It's my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that says that this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live. I can't carry around all those things. Peter even began to be weighted down by the expectations of the Jews. And he knew at that point, because he had been imprisoned by the Jews, that he realized that I don't have to live according to these expectations any longer. But I'm free through Jesus Christ. I believe that God set Peter free from not only from prison chains, but from certain expectations that, that were placed upon him. He realized now that now I know that salvation is for the Jews and the Gentiles. I know that, that salvation is for all the world. God went through a tremendous amount of effort to free Peter. And it began to bring him out, around some incredible results. You see, faith and freedom are some elusive ideas. I, I mean, I've even seen people that they exercise their faith, but they exercise their faith without Jesus Christ, they end up in some form of legalism. They begin to exercise their faith, and it, it actually it begins to put them in further bondage. I, believe, I see, even see people, they begin to exercise their freedom. I was 18 years old. I am free from my mama and my daddy. I'm going to go get me some credit cards, go get me a car note, go get me a house note. I realized I was further in bondage when I got out of my house than when I went when I was there, right? I, I, I want to be a kid again where my daddy pays for all my meals and pays all my bills. It'd be awesome. But I believe that even when we begin to exercise our freedom outside of Jesus Christ, that we can find ourselves in greater bondage than when we began. As long as you keep your faith a secret, you'll never walk in freedom. As long as we begin to isolate our faith from obedience in Jesus Christ. Jesus says this in John chapter 8. He says that, that, that if you follow me, he says, if you believe my word, he says, if you will continue in my word, then you will be my disciples. You see, continuing in his word, continuing in his commands, continuing in obedience to what Jesus said, that you'll be his disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He continues to say, he says, that if the Son has set you free, then you shall be free indeed. I believe that as we begin to walk out our salvation in a real tangible kind of way, and we let our faith through obedience determine our actions, that God begins to bring about his results, and his results are supernatural, because he's not bound by the natural. You see, I know many people, they think that the opposite of faith is doubt. I don't believe that the opposite of faith is doubt. I don't believe there's a single person on this planet that operates outside of faith. You all have faith in something. The opposite of faith is works. Not works as in good deeds. I think that God's called us that, but works as in sacrificial deeds. That we need to let our faith be expressed towards God and our works be expressed towards man. Those things that we would do to find salvation and peace in our hearts towards God, let them be expressed towards man as an example, as an expression of our faith in God. If, if where before I used to bring great, do great works to God to, for, to find salvation, 
Let me stop and believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I don't have to work according to that any longer. I can allow that to, ta- to permeate my heart. I am free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now I'm going to begin to allow my works to be expressed, my faith to be expressed towards others. Ephesians 2, 8, 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. You see, that's Paul's words. James who's the, the, bro, the half-brother of Jesus, it, 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 he says that be doers of the word, not hearers only. He says also, in fact, he says if your faith is without works, it's dead. They seem like contradictory comments, but I don't believe that they are. I believe that we're not saved by works, just like Paul said, but I believe that because we're saved, that we should begin to express our faith towards others in obedience to Jesus Christ. God says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a change in perspective. See, Peter had this perspective. He said, I'm going to begin to live out my faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of what happens around me. It's like the, the scales of, 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 are, are coming off of his eyes. This morning, are you willing to allow your faith to be shown as substance? Are you willing to, be, to allow your faith to be radical? Are you willing to allow your faith to begin to walk in the obedience of Jesus Christ? I, I want to ask the worship team up this morning. You know, here this morning, we had, a, we had a, just a great time in worship. And I believe that, that even it says that there's, where there's tongues and interpretation, where there's tongues given, that it is for evidence to the unbeliever is what it says in the Word. I believe that there's even someone here right now who hasn't given their heart to Jesus Christ as their Savior. Who hasn't said, I've made that decision, I've made that faith statement to follow you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, faith is a public thing. As long as we begin to try to keep our faith hidden within, I want you to know we have no foundation to stand on. That's why we do baptisms publicly. You know what's an interesting thing is that in, in the early church, say like 100, 200, whenever they would begin to assemble and meet together in homes, if you haven't received, if you haven't been baptized publicly, they wouldn't let you come into their private meetings. I mean, can you imagine that in today's world? Now it's an all-inclusive church. Everybody's welcome, and you are. You're welcome to come and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But that doesn't mean you're welcome to all of our, our exercise of fellowship. Why? Because you're not part of what we believe. You're not part of the fellowship of Christ. The apostles in the early church, they begin to say, you know, now that we have this belief, that we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, they begin to formulate community. You know, the beautiful thing about community is that it's, it embraces diversity. It embraces our differences. In fact, if our church doesn't look different, if it doesn't look diverse, if it doesn't look like a bunch of different skin colors, ages, social income brackets then we're doing something wrong I think that's one of the greatest things is for a poor person to spend some time with a rich person and there's a, the greatest things is for a rich person to spend some time with a poor person it brings perspective that's what community is if we all just end up looking the same speaking the same language all within the same income bracket you know what that is that's a cult that's a culture Jesus, the early apostles, they identified with community. All are welcome. All can embrace freedom.
Those, those, those early writers of the Declaration of Independence, they said, we want to stand together in what we believe, that we're all made free from our Creator. Peter says that because I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, was raised again on the third day, and now dwelling in heaven, he said, you can't shut me up. Because I want to see everybody come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I want to see all of my neighbors in heaven. we got to let our faith become our freedom. It's a shift in our minds. Here this morning, if you've never made a faith statement in Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity here in just a moment to do that. Right now, in fact, I believe that it's not my job to bring conviction of sin. In fact, I believe the Bible so much, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to bring conviction into your heart. To begin to say, I need Jesus. Today, I want to make a statement for Jesus. Today, I want to make that declaration of freedom in Jesus' name. I want to begin to say, I want to change the way I think about people and people think about me. I want to begin to live out a life of, of freedom and joy and peace and hope. Why? Because Jesus said I can have all these things. I want to begin to live in newness of life. I don't want to be walk around as a slave and in bondage anymore. So right now, I just want to take a moment. If you can, can you just, if you're in this place, I just I want to ask you to close your eyes. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to do His work. Lord Jesus, right now, Father, I pray that you can just, just send your Holy Spirit into this place, Lord, that you can begin to pierce hearts with the truth of your Word, Lord. That we have freedom in Jesus Christ. That no longer do we have to live trying to please others. No longer do we have to live trying to live up to a certain standard or expectation, Lord. But we can come to you boldly because of the work of Calvary. Lord, that we can have a perspective of freedom, Lord God, not bondage. Lord, that our very faith will no longer be private, but it will be made public, Lord God. Through accepting you and walking that out, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you can just begin to pierce hearts with the truth of your love. Lord, because it's your very love is the authority that we operate in. It's the grace of Jesus Christ expressed on the cross. Right now, if you could just look at me. If that's you, and you, and you want to make just a a statement of faith this morning. If you want to say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I, I want to, I'm not going to ask everybody to stand up. I want to ask you to stand up. I want you to just stand up where you are. Just come walk and come meet with me up here. It's a very challenging thing. You know, in the same way that those early founders of our nation, when they signed that, that, that document, they were committing treason. When we stand up and say that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in a sense, we're committing treason. We're saying we're turning our backs on the work of the enemy. And we're turning 
and heading face on into Jesus Christ. So I'm standing up here with you. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, you can do that today. Just get up out of your seat and come meet with me right here. We'll give you just a few moments. mentioned earlier that it says in, in God's word that if there's any sick among you to call together the elders and I, that's what I want to do right now I want to ask our elders and our prayer team if they can come up here with me and join me up here I'm going to call together the elders we have some anointing oil here If you have a sickness in your body, I want you to just come up. We want to pray with you. We want to take a moment. And it says that, call together the elders. It says that you shall pray the prayer of faith and you shall be healed. I want to give you an opportunity right now that these, that these people who are up here with me today, they have prayed for you. They are praying for you. They have been set their hearts and their lives apart for Jesus Christ. If you need healing in your body, I want you to get up out of your chair and I want you to come meet us up here in the front. We're going to pray for you. I'm not asking everybody to stand up on purpose because I believe that it takes faith and I want to try to stretch our faith a little bit this morning. If you need healing in your body, I want you to come up and, and just come find one of these one of these uh, these elders and these people who are going to pray with you and they're going to pray with you and receive healing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Could the rest of us stand to our feet, if you will? you believe that God is our healer, if you believe that he's our deliverer right now, what I want you to do is just extend your hands toward these who've made this, this statement of faith, saying, Lord, I am going to walk, step out in my healing. Let's just begin to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. We thank you that it says in your word that by your stripes we are healed, Lord. Lord, it says that we are going to begin to, as we walk out our obedience in you, Father, that you can begin to bring healing and restoration and peace in Jesus Christ. Lord, that we are walking in simple faith, Lord. It says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, the doctor may have a certain diagnosis, Lord, but we believe that you have the final word. Lord, you have the final say. Lord, you have the final diagnosis, that we are healed in Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray that even now you can begin to do great and wonderful, miraculous things in those who have stepped out in faith towards you. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, they're going to continue to pray. Can we give the Lord some praise right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.